We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast, post-signing day edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. Kyle, have you been uh, drinking your coffee, staying up late, like trying to decide where all these crutes are going? I've been uh, podcast cheating on you. I went on the Reload Podcast with Kyle Boone to to talk some crutin. That's okay. Um, no, I yeah, I I I. It's funny because the, the, I think the trajectory of most people who college fo- who follow college football is that the older they get, the less they follow recruiting. And I feel like I've been the opposite. I never used to follow it, and now I'm kind of into it because guys like Kyle Boone and and Adam Lunt and and Thomas Fleming and and those guys are uh, they're pretty locked in. They kind of they kind of just tell me what's going on. It's like when I had to download <laughs> Snapchat when Ricky Fowler went on SB Two K. Kyle Boone just like guides me through everything. Um, but no, it's, it's been fun. Uh, the early signing period is kind of weird, but, uh, it was, it was interesting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's, it's been intriguing at least. See, I'm the opposite. I used to be way super into it. I had a rival subscription for Florida state's website when I was in college and I was just, I was in super deep. And back then I feel like it was more exciting because, you know, they didn't have the early signing day. So literally every recruit would commit back then on signing day. They wouldn't even yeah. commit before then. And Florida State was notorious for making these late runs. So it was just like exhilarating back then. <laughs> they would get their entire class on the same day. Well, and, and you wouldn't and you, know who they were getting at all. And the information was more valuable, right? Like the, the less information you have, the more valuable it becomes. And now because every – recruit has Twitter and Instagram and whatever. There's so much information that you're like, I don't know what's valuable and what's not. And so it, it sort of devalues the entire process, even though it's kind of easier to cover now as, as you know, for, for those of us who are, who are in the media. Yeah, precisely. There was like two dudes on rivals who knew like, who knew all so yeah. you just like hung yeah. on their every like post and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> so it has changed quite a bit. Um, what were your thoughts on OSU's class? Another, uh, I guess it was first top twenty-five class since twenty eleven. Is that right? Well, maybe it it fell out of the top twenty-five. I think late last night. Uh, just and it, it, it's it's really hard to determine because of the early signing period. Because some school, I mean, like your your Knowles, I think they've only signed like twelve guys or something, and so we won't we won't be able to fully determine where it ranks until February, which is still kind of weird. Um, that should almost be like a late signing day. I saw uh, the orange power Twitter account mentioned this on, on uh, Twitter. And I thought it was, I thought it was smart. December 20th should be signing day. And then February 7th or whatever it is should be like the, like the uh, postscript, like the PS signing day or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was fine. You know, I, I told Boone that, I think it was. I think it's deeper than than most of their recent classes. The worst, quote unquote, worst player in this year's class would have been like not even in the bottom five last year. I don't think. Um, so it, in that sense, it's deeper. But you know, we we talked about this you, you and I a little bit. There's still that frustration of why why aren't wins translating into more four star guys? Not even five star. I mean, Oklahoma State doesn't get five star guys, but. Why are they only getting two four-star guys a year? Why are they only getting three four-star guys a year? And why is Baylor, which won one game last year, out recruiting Oklahoma State? It doesn't. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and it's it's so hard to. 
um, take that approach when Mike Gundy just wins 10 games every other year, right? I, I, I totally agree with you. I feel like with the facilities, with the winning that Mike Gundy's done, with the uniforms, it seems like they're on the cutting edge, really, of recruiting, it seems like, with Mike Gundy, which we'll talk about in a sec. But it just doesn't seem like they really want to go after four-star, the high-level four-star guys, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like Mike Gundy's just content to take his three-star guys that he feels he can win with in the Big 12, that he feels follow that cowboy, that cowboy culture that – you know, that rough and tumble <laughs> Mike Gundy cowboy culture that he talks so much about. It's just, it's kind of frustrating for me as, a, you know, someone from watches it from afar. It's like, Mike, you've had the second best program in the Big 12, but you're always like fourth or fifth in recruiting. Why is mm-hmm. that? Yeah, no, it is. And, you know, I think he's gotten burned in the past. I was looking back at old recruiting classes to see uh, where they had the most four stars. Alex Kate, four star quarterback, by the way, um, might have might have been a little off on that one, but I was looking at, I think it was the f- uh, 13 class or the 14 class. I can't remember. They had, I think, f- three four-star guys. So their top three guys. Uh, one of them's Devin Thomas, who gets arrested and, and never goes to college. Uh, the other's Tyree Kill, who gets arrested and has to leave Oklahoma State. So I think that, I think that Gundy, a little bit of it is in his head of like, well, he, I think he just like equates four- and five-star guys with being like – people he doesn't want on his team you know like like he just has it in Tyron Johnson well yeah apparently we'll talk about that in a second but I think he just has it in his head I just want two and three stars like those are the those are the high character guys and it's like well maybe but and it's true that there's there's just more of them so it's easier to like you know select and figure out which ones will, will fit your culture but yeah I I think he just doesn't I think he just doesn't care about stars, about about how highly rated a player is coming out of high school, which is fine. It's worked, but like like you like you said to me privately, it might not be working very much longer with what OU's doing down in Norman these days. No. Um what's amazing, Kyle, is I looked this up. OU hasn't had a top ten class according to rivals since two thousand ten. And all they've done is be the preeminent program in the Big 12 and go to the playoff twice. Yep. Now they're going to be getting top 10, top five type classes. Mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley's totally revamped what they do. But I do, I do agree with Mike that in, in Ronald, jo- Ronald Jones is another guy he lost late, who was a high four star mm-hmm. guy. To your yeah. to your point, I think that frustrates him. And I thought it was really interesting to me how Mike talked about poachers and how the uh, the new si- <laughs> the new signing. <laughs> Sounds he like something it, he does on his. Sounds like something he does on his farm, by the way. He said it like fifty times too. We we had a few poachers. Uh, they got turned down, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> I like how he put. Which I thought was interesting. Uh, but I I do agree with him that you know OSU has lost a lot of big names late. Ronald Jones, whom I mentioned, uh, Ryan Broyles probably still bothers him mm. to this day. The guy they had committed for the longest time, who OU didn't want. Until you know, late Kale. when they think, well, Kale. they missed. Honestly, they they probably missed out on some of those four and five star guys they wanted, and said, ah, well, this kid's from Norman. He'll he'll come on down, and yep. sure enough, he did. Yeah. So I do I do agree with Mike that this early signing period is huge for OSU because they can just sign their guys and not worry about poachers. I, I agree, but the point I made to Boone, and and I want to get your thoughts on this, is that is it it's an early signing period for one year, 
right? So, so they had the signing day in February, the regular one from 2017, and then they had the early one this year. Well, next year it's just you're simply on a different schedule. Like it's so from yesterday, it's now a year until the next um, early signing day. So you've got a, you've got a year. You've got these a, a couple people will sign in February or whatever, but you, you can start recruiting for 2019 right now. Whereas you weren't doing that this time last year, you were still recruiting for the, the 2017 class. So I think it benefits, it definitely benefited them this year, but I'm not so sure it will in the long term. You don't? I mean, I, I still think it benefits OSU because, you know, when they get in, or they get in early on so many guys that other schools are late to. And now I think they've built up such a, such a reputation uh, with putting guys in the NFL that are lower ranked guys that people will start looking at who they're recruiting at receiver and just start recruiting them just because, oh, well, OSU's into them. They know what they're doing and they can come come in late in the process. So, yeah, But why won't Texas A&M just start stealing guys in December instead of February now or January? I mean, it, it, won't that be something that that takes place now that you've got a full year between between recruiting cycles now? Yeah, but I don't think they can put on. I may be speaking out of my my world, here, out of my box here, but I don't think they can put on a full court press in yeah. early December or yeah. November like they can, you know, after the bowl games from January through February. That's yeah. a whole different deal to me. That's that's a great point, and that's something that that I didn't necessarily think of, and but but that makes sense because when you're trying, I mean, and, and this is what's so astounding about what Georgia and OU have done. And obviously Alabama and Clemson, they're all preparing for a playoff. Like they're preparing for the biggest game of the season. And yet they're signing these top five recruiting classes. Now I know part of that is because they're in the playoff, but it's a, it's a, it's a juggling act. I mean, recruiting is a full time, you know, a full time deal, a full time job. And so is, uh, preparing for for big postseason games like like everybody's doing. Yep, I agree. Um, you want to do a toast? Let's do a toast. Um, it's time for the Coupe Works toast of the week. Coupe Works brewing great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F five IPA, the bold DNR Belgian strong ale, or the refreshing horny toad blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coupe Works and please remember to drink responsibly. Uh, I'm going to let you go second because yours is better and funnier than mine. Uh, but I, but I am going to toast. And if we had a cigar sponsor, I would hand out a cigar to light to it this, up, light it up to this person. Uh, Casey Dunn. It, and I think we toasted him a couple weeks ago, but I got to toast him again because what he is doing, I mean, Gundy called him, I think he called him like one of the best assistants in the country on Wednesday. And he is, I mean, Oklahoma State has one of their best classes in recent memory. And guess guess what position two of the top five guys play? Wide receiver. Yep. C.J. Moore, Jonathan Sharp. He just keeps bringing in guys. And I'm sure there's some athlete that's like the 17th ranked player in this class that he's going to turn into an NFL prospect, you know, just, just based on what he does. And, and Gundy said that he has some sort of formula. He made him sound like, like Albert, like, like Casey Einstein. I mean, it was unbelievable. (laughs) He has a formula that he uses to recruit guys. And Gundy said he, he got it from the NFL or at least that's what he told me. I don't, he might've made that up, uh, is, is what Gundy said on Wednesday. (laughs) 
And he's just, I don't know. He's, he's been spectacular. I, I think that Oklahoma state has a really good set of position coaches right now between him and Josh Henson. I, I think maybe Dan Hammerschmidt doesn't get enough credit. I wish they still had Marcus Arroyo as a running backs coach. He was incredible. Um, but kudos to Casey Dunn for just keeping it rolling in Stillwater. And I will toast a, uh, an F five IPA to Casey Dunn. He's a monster. He just he does an unbelievable job, and I, I too am fascinated by uh, his formula. Like, does he does he work them out? Does he like shake their hands a certain way? Like, how does he? What is this secret formula? You know, I'd love to know. <laughs> but uh, he's done an amazing job, and and now when you look at the recruiting classes and receivers, like you watch a little bit of their clips, you just you just envision James Washington now. Like that, I was looking at the clips of the. Uh, the shepherd kid from Texas, yeah, yeah. Who, who Gundy talked about his daddy playing yeah. pro baseball a bunch. My uh, daddy, can't you just envision him like scoring sixty yard touchdowns? Yeah. I can. Yeah. He he fascinates me, and obviously C J Moore is the crown jewel of the class, and a guy that Casey Dunn pulled away from every country, every program in the country. Really, yeah. now they did have the family connection with Tracy Moore, but that doesn't always get you the player. So I like that toast. What are you going to toast him? Uh, an F five. IPA. Okay. You just yeah. go to that every time. Yeah, it's just I would just love it. But well, at, I, I think we're I the, think I got to go F five too. We were at the grocery store yesterday, real quick, and I was getting some some uh, some beers, and one of my kids said, "Daddy, get the green ones," and it was and it was the coupe. It was the F five. <laughs> I see those. I see those all the time. Dad yeah. thinks those around the clock. I was like, "This is this is this is not good parenting. This is really bad." <laughs> yeah, just hide your eyes, kids. Uh, right. I'm gonna toast an F five too because uh, I want to toast Chuck Dixon and the Tulsa County helicopters <laughs> for flying around Mike Gundy for the recruiting trail. I thought that was excellent. Uh, I think they, they need to get a more of a swaggy copter the way it looks, but it, it did the job because Gundy said he can get more done in one day that would take three days in a car. And uh, it's just, it's another illustration that Gundy is kind of, you know, being an innovator when it comes to recruiting. I know he's not the first one to fly around a helicopter, but, you know, a lot of coaches don't. And it seems as if he was able to visit every player he wanted to. And uh, it seems like Gundy has really kind of carved out a niche for himself recruiting. I mean, I know, again, we were a little disappointed in where they rank and not enough four stars, but I think that, that was pretty cool. And, and just it's pretty much a boss move when you're, you can land at a high school with a mullet in, in a helicopter. That's Not a lot of coaches can say that. Yeah, it's it's and to hear him talk about it is even better. Somebody suggested that uh, breaking down the news with Mike Gundy should be like a daily thing that Oklahoma State puts out. Just him talking about just different things. Him talking about the, well, you got the uh, the thing goes like this and spins around, and and then you you just go off on your helicopter. <laughs> it's so funny. Talking about Snapchat or InstaFace. Yeah, InstaFace. But I mean, to your point, like it it resonates with recruits because who doesn't want to be, you know recruited by someone in a helicopter that's pretty cool and but it also resonates with parents you want to get facetime with parents like face to face shake their hands talk to them so it is smart it's efficient um i did like how he sort of acted like he he was the first one to ever do it uh you're not mike but uh i do i do like that uh that he's doing it yeah it was pretty cool and um 
yeah, so that, that's my toast. I'll toast an F5 to, to Chuck Dixon, Tulsa County Copters. <laughs> okay, we need to uh, – you, you posted uh, your five takeaways from the season, and and we need to break it down. But do you want to do our, uh, our uniform uh, review first? Oh, yeah, let's do that first. Let's get our uniform review out of the way, and then we'll we'll dive into your uh, your blazing hot uh, five takeaways. Let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Okay, Carson, uh, you said you have a uh, you have a uniform take as well that you need to uh, to put up on me. Yeah, I thought uh, you know one of the other benefits of recruiting is when the the recruits come to the stadium. Yes, they get to try on like every uniform they or any combination they want. And who knew that eighteen year old recruits put to better put together better combos than the equipment staff? Because they certainly do. There were some interesting interesting combinations that I really liked. Uh, there was one that really just jumped out of me, and one I never would have considered was the. Patriot Pete helmet, mm. orange jersey, orange pants. Mm. It 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 popped. Yeah, and it was just it was really cool to see all the recruits trying on like every combo imaginable. There was one picture where there was like twelve of them on the field, and I th- I thought that was interesting. Did you notice that picture? I did. There were a couple of them because they had two different recruiting weekends, and I I don't know which one I saw, but my favorite combination that I saw, and I don't believe we've seen it. Uh, since they've gotten the new the new set. Oh, I know which one you're gonna say. Yeah, I believe C.J. Moore was wearing it. Yep, and it was the white white orange, and it was awesome. <laughs> and I want them to wear it uh, in their first road game next year at uh, wherever they go, Baylor or yeah, like the the Kansas. orange pants were criminally crin- criminally underused. Yeah. It was I was. Like they just they popped so good. It's the best. You've said it before. It's their best article uh, in the in the closet is the orange pants, and I agree. So that was that. That's my uni review. Is well done, C.J. Moore, uh, ringleader of the recruiting class, best dressed, and uh, maybe he needs to pick the uniform combinations next year. <laughs> I would be uh, I would be down with that. It is it's sort of overwhelming to see the photos because you're looking at like we're used to like breaking down one combination. And then you yeah. see so many at once, you're like, uh, I, I don't, I don't know what to do here. Like, what do I even look at? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's a lot to take in. Yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. Uh, real quick, before we get to your five takeaways, uh, Spencer Sanders' thoughts from what Mike Gundy said. Well, I thought Mike was basically glowing. Like he, <laughs> he was em- emitting uh gold tones <laughs> talking about the golden boy spencer sanders uh it's, it's funny it's, it's funny when when he's when mike is really like wanting to make a statement about somebody or really wants you to be impressed it's when he gives you like a yes or no answer yeah and he, he got a few like i think bill haston was grilling him about spencer sanders there was a few of those yes yes yeah just like him him totally wanting you to know this kid is awesome and Obviously, the quote he had about him sending his letter of intent first was great, about not leading from behind. It just, and again, we don't know anything about Cornelius or Wood T, what they can do. And I thought Gundy made a good point. Like, look, we got to get those guys out there and see what they can do because they basically haven't yet. So 
But I, based on those quotes and based on just what we what we know about the quarterback position, I would be stunned if Spencer Sanders doesn't start from day one. The other thing Gundy does when he when he wants you to take him uh, seriously is uh, hold on just a second. The other thing Gundy does when he wants you to take him seriously is he gets like like you said he gets really like short. He did this with I don't know if you noticed this, but he did it with at Chuba when he was talking about Chuba in the fall mm-hmm. and he said when he gets in the, like he, he, like he's normally like so jovial, but he said when Chuba gets in the open field, gone, it's over. And, and he, like he, he got very dramatic about it <laughs> yeah. and, he, and he did that with Sanders on Wednesday. He said, you know, he says he wants to lead from, from in front. And then he, and then he paused like this dramatic pause, like he'd planned it out. And then he goes, <laughs> uh, I'm all in. <laughs> and I was just like, me too. I'm all in too. <laughs> Where do I get my number three Jersey? It was, uh, that, that really resonated with me. I, I thought that was, that was pretty interesting, but I, I'm with you. I, I, I find it, uh, I told Boone this, but if he was coming on campus in January, it would be basically a lock. Um, I think, but because he's not, because he's waiting, waiting until June, I think that's the only thing that, that kind of throws a, a, a wrench into him possibly starting on day one. Yeah, I agree. And he, here's the thing. He doesn't really have to start day one, right? He can – he you know, their, their schedule is very soft to start the year, if I do remember correctly. I know they play Boise State, actually. But, um, I see, I I think the coming in early stuff's a little overrated. I, I, I get it. I get you get spring ball. I get you get way more reps in the spring than you, than you otherwise don't get at all. But I mean, from June, July, August, you know, that's that, to me, that's plenty of time to learn the playbook and do your thing, right? Maybe I'm maybe I'm undervaluing, you know, that extra semester. But I I, I hate how it's become a fad where kids skip out their last semester of high school, which I, I get it. You know, you want to win a job your freshman year. I understand, but I don't know. I just I like how Gundy said, "Look, he's just gonna go. He can go play basketball. He can, he can go relax. Rest yeah. his arm." Yeah, I like that. Yeah, but and, I think, and I, I think talent. I think Gundy said it too. Like, if you're the best player, like you're gonna play. Like, yeah. is him coming in in January versus June gonna be the difference whether he plays his freshman year? I, I doubt it. Well, and and I thought it was interesting that Gundy. It's almost like he had sort of already planned all this out, which maybe he has. But he talked about the playbook and how if you're basically you're a moron as a coach if you can't tailor a playbook to somebody who's a freshman who's you know, doesn't need the entire thing. I'm like, well, you've said it's only 15 plays long. Like how many, you know, can't be that hard to memorize. Like, I don't, right. I don't understand what the issue is, but he referenced. Well, I Pat- think, I think for him, it would be like checks at the line. They do a yeah. lot of audibles, a lot yeah. of options, yeah. option routes, stuff like that. Yeah, no, you're right. But, um, yeah, I mean, all signs point to Spencer Sanders being the starter and, in 2018. Were you going to, were you going to spout a Pat Jones quote to me? Did I interrupt you? Oh, he, uh, Gundy just referenced Pat Jones talking about if you can't get all the, all your best players on the field, that's a you problem. That's not their problem. <laughs> and I think it was a, it was another Sanders reference. It was a Barry Sanders reference, uh, back in yeah. 87 or 88 or whatever. So, well, Mike's slowly turning into Pat because <laughs> yeah. Pat calls people's fathers daddy and now Gundy <laughs> does it too. It's really it's Shepherd's yeah. daddy played base. Looks like he still play today. Six four two thirty five. 
<laughs> At least we didn't get any talk of uh, like the the mom's DNA, the mom's height and weight. <laughs> oh yeah, that was great last year. That's always. What that's about always, what about uh, Gundy cussing? He he called Mason a tough son of a bee. Yeah, he's he cussed a lot this year. Yeah, if I feel like he's becoming more of himself, I feel like he's, he's totally dropped the. Remember how like dull his press conferences used to be on Mondays? Yeah, where he would just he get up there and just kind of. Uh, be real monotone and short, and like, he's totally just all right. I'm gonna be myself up there, and that's where you get that from. Yeah, he's well. He, this is lifetime contract. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Um. Okay, we're gonna go through your five takeaways, but first, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, um, you've got, there's fire coming out of my computer screen right now. Oh, stop it. Um, you have submitted your five takeaways for 2017. I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm just going to feed them to you and you can kind of recap them as we go. Number one, your number one takeaway from 2017. Where, oh, no, no particular order here. Where is... <laughs> Yeah, I know, but I I know that, but I also know this is number one. <laughs> Where is Tyron Johnson? You put him on a milk carton, the, an incredible Photoshop here. Um, <laughs> you literally put his face on a milk carton, and uh, just lamented the fact that he only caught sixteen passes in two thousand seventeen. Sixteen passes. Do you do? You, does anyone else besides me remember Mike Gundy acting like they had? Odell Beckham on the roster and that he was going to unleash him upon the country and he couldn't play over a true freshman and Tylen Wallace. I mean, I, again, I, my later points back up that it was the offense had a good year. It's just, this to me will go down as one of the bigger mysteries in OSU football, especially if Tyron goes on and starts playing like Tyree kill is in the NFL. You know, Tyree kill was a glorified return man in Stillwater. Yep. Now he's one of the best players in the NFL. And so, and again, I understand that Marcel Aitman and James Washington play his position. They play on the outside. I understand all that. I also understand that he's the most explosive player on the team, not named James Washington. And he got he caught 16 passes. And I didn't build up the ex- – people act like I'm the one who hyped him up for no reason. Mike Gundy is the one that hyped him up. And we saw glimpses of that hype. It just – I don't know. It, to me, that's one of my biggest mysteries of the season, let alone takeaways. Uh, I was looking back at some uh, <clears throat> old receiver statistics from the past few years. Uh, 2014, Jeremy Seaton caught 13 passes. So, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, Chris Carson caught uh, 17 passes in 2015. Chris Carson, run, he's a running back. I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> yes, I'm it's, well aware. It's incredible. I mean, it really is. Well, and, and again, I, I've touched on this, too. I don't know how much of this is Tyron's fault. You know, he did get suspended for a game. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he just didn't go to practice a couple times because 
there's one thing about Mike Gundy. If you don't do things right, he's not going to play you. And <laughs> perhaps Tylen Wallace was doing things more right because the true freshman played more than him d- down towards the end of the season. Well, I think I think the hardest part about all of it, <clears throat> and you put the the gif of it uh, in your post, first drive of the year. Where where do they go? They go they go to Tyron. Bomb got, to Tyron. Touchdown. All this firepower coming back. Where do they go? They go to Tyron. Where do they go in the biggest game of the year? They go to Tyron. And you're like, he, he's just you, running by everybody. You're like, like, what the, you can't I mean, use more of that. You're like, what the hell? Like you, like you literally with your entire, with Mason Rudolph's entire career on the line and Mike Gundy's bedlam demons at stake, they go to Tyron Johnson. And so it doesn't make sense that he only caught 16 passes throughout the season. Like those two things do not, do not add up. They don't go together. Precisely. And part of that's Washington was hurt. But again, with Aitman, Stoner, who they love, McCleskey, everybody, Justice Hill, they went to Tyron. And that, that is a huge, there's a big dichotomy there, right? Of a guy who can't get on the field and then they're throwing the season on the line pass to. I just, I'll never understand. Uh, they'll never tell us. But um, that was a big takeaway I had was just, we saw, it wasn't as if it was all hype. We also saw, glimpses of of it so well and the other part is you know gundy doesn't have a checkered history of playing the wrong guy at the wrong position so that's (laughs) you've got that going for you exactly um okay next point point number two takeaway number two fire your sitch question mark uh just explain yourself on that well i mean college football as i say is a a results-based business and the fact that Mike Yurcich is still hated is just hilarious to me. By any statistical measure you want to go by, they're a top five offense in the country, top three in most categories. Yet that's people want him fired, and he, he recruited Mason Rudolph out of SEC country. He just recruited Spencer Sanders, Mr. Texas Football, who Mike Gundy is just glowing about, and you want the guy fired? I, just, I don't understand. And I think it's important to remember when he came to OSU, they didn't have an offensive line. They had no talent at running back before Arroyo got there. They had nobody that could make a make a play on their own at running back. And he creates one of the best red zone offenses out of complete thin air with, with J.W. Walsh in a, in a running game. Uh, I think he's a good coach. Now, I, I, again, I have problems with some of his play calling. I think they run it too much on first down. But by any statistical measure, he, he, did, a, he, had, a great, he did a great job this year. And I, I don't understand the hate. And if you, were- you, you even have gone on... The hate wagon for my years. Yeah, I know, I know. I need to repent of my sins. Um, by the way, I, I listened to the clip of you saying they had to dig you up off your such mountain, like <laughs> probably ten times, and I laughed every time. It was <laughs> it was so good. Uh, would you rather have Marcus Arroyo or Mike Yersich as the offensive coordinator in Stillwater next year? Um, probably Yersich. Because Arroyo was, like, I don't know if you know this, but he was not just a a failure at Tampa. It was like people, like the media down there treated him like they had let some PE teacher come coach the the offense. Like, (laughs) like, that's how they, like, I I didn't pay, I have no idea what happened at Tampa, but like, they, they were vicious to his tenure in Tampa as far as play calling and being the OC down there. So I. Is he a great recruiter? Yeah. Um, maybe he'll tear it up at Oregon as the OC. I don't know. But 
give me uh, give me. And Yurcich can recruit quarterbacks. I don't know if you're if Arroyo can. Yeah, I, Arroyo is more fun. I think Yurcich is better. I mean, especially as an offensive coordinator. Would I like to have Yurcich back? By the way, why don't why don't schools have like a um, like a chief recruiter? Like like, do you really need like a safeties coach? Like just just make somebody like go hire Arroyo for like a million dollars a year and just say <laughs> go go round up some players. Like I don't I don't care if you coach, just go get me some guys. Why why is that not a thing? Well, one of their assistants is also recruiting coordinator, so that's basically what they do. But who? Uh, well, at OSU, I don't know who that is, but. Most schools but, uh, de- designate sport. like OU yeah. designates Kale Kale Gundy as theirs. I'm sure. Okay. I don't know how much Mike talked about that, but yeah, no that that makes sense. I I just, I mean, if that's your, I think um, I think Jimbo Fisher said this at his A and M press conference. Recruiting is your lifeblood. Like that's it. That's the whole deal. So you ca- you almost can't overpay somebody who is really adept at getting great talent. I would love to see them bring in a Marcus Arroyo type to go get the JD Kings, the Justice Hills, the Chuba Hubbards of the world. Yeah, and I, I do think Arroyo was obviously a great recruiter, but I do think you have gone a little overboard on him. If that's if that's fair. I mean, I he's not the end all be all. There's plenty of guys who can recruit. Yeah, I, I I feel like you're ready to hand him the keys to, to Gundy's office. Yeah, no, I, I think I think the um, the difference was stark though because Oklahoma State has traditionally not recruited the JD Kings of the world, and then when they do, you're like, well, who brought that guy in? You know, and and yeah. you could say the same thing about Casey Dunn. Casey Dunn's done a tremendous job, in which I already you know toasted him, but um, yeah, so you're probably right, but. It's just it's fun when they have guys like that because, you know, is is the running backs coach right now like getting people fired up and and bringing in dudes? I mean, Jamal Jeter might be good, but I don't know. Who knows? Well, and that's we talked about OSU's lack of stud recruiting. They've recruited studs at running back since Arroyo got there and has since left. And uh, yeah. Same with receivers with Casey Dunn, and I think that's where you see their biggest strength. So that's just even further proof that you know recruiting matters. Yeah, totally. Okay, this this might be a reference that I don't understand, but the next point is uh, Gundy is Yersich and Einhorn is Finkel. <laughs> You've never seen Ace Ventura? No. You need to like make a list of movies that you have seen. I, I bet you it's very <laughs> short, but. Basically means they're the same person, and it's hard to distinguish who's at fault when the the offense goes into these shells. Because I I back up my point about Yersich being a good OC with, yeah. Do they do they go in Ted Cruzian like shells? Yes, absolutely. And it's been my theory all along that that's been Mike Gundy, and I think Mike Gundy gave it away this year with a few quotes. The one he talked about where Les Miles was calling plays once they got inside the five. Yep. Uh, I think that's. Sh- showed Mike that he can overrule people as a head coach, which I think he does from time to time. And I think the, the most telling quote of the entire Yursich Gundy uh, relationship was after Bedlam. He says, I shut up and stayed off the mic because he was rolling. And was that not the first Bedlam in, in eons that they actually went for the throat, went for the jugular, let it all hang out? Absolutely it was. And I don't think that's a coincidence. So, 
and I do understand how it's, that would make me sound like I'm just blaming Gundy for everything that went wrong on offense. I don't, I don't mean to do that. I basically mean those, sh- those shells that we saw like at, at Texas, the 51 runs when they were only averaging like two yards a carry. It just, it wasn't working. And they were just scared to death to throw the football. To me, that's, that's Mike. And that's, that was kind of a working theory I had. Yeah, I like it. I think it's fair. I think that, I think that if you presented that to Gundy in the right way, he would probably say it's fair and, and he was being truthful about it, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I agree. Uh, okay. Number four, def- the defense needs a reboot. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about this in the podcast before, but like the defense is getting worse. I mean, it, re- they've put so many resources into defensive recruiting. Their defensive line finally looks the part. But the results are the same, if not worse, than when Glenn Spencer took over. And I just think it's time for a Dana Holgerson-like injection to the defensive side. You know, remember the offense just completely falling apart under Gundy, and he went out and hired Dana Holgerson, and boom, they become this air raid on steroids offense that we hadn't seen before. Part of that was Brandon Whedon, but a part of it was a philosophy change. I think that's what they need on defense. I, I think it'd be a mistake if they just promote from within, which they did with Glenn, who was already on staff. I like Joe Bob Clements. I think he's a really good defensive line coach. I just think it's time for Gundy to go outside of his coaching tree. I don't think hiring Joe Bob would be the way to go. I think it's time to bring in someone with their own ideas, their own approach, and see how that works. Because this this within the Gundy office is not working. They need to go outside the office. Is it a bad sign that this year's defense is, from a points-per-drive perspective, the best Spencer's had in the last four years? Uh, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's, probably. that's, that's not great. Here's, here's another stat for you, Carson. <clears throat> uh, Bill Young was the defensive coordinator from 2009 to 2012. Every single one of his defenses was, uh, kind of vastly better than the last four Glenn Spencer defenses. That's is, startling. And people wanted, people were fired up about firing Bill Young. Of course, then in 2013, Glenn Spencer uh, manned basically the best defense in school history. Um, it was like a top five defense nationally, and it and it nearly won him the Big Twelve. Should have won him the Big Twelve, but um, yeah, I mean it's it's really incredible that that the last is that Mrs. Four, Pistols? No, that was that was Jude. He, it, today's his birthday, so he's he's trying to. Oh. Uh, He's trying to get me out of here. But, um, yeah, the last four Glenn Spencer defenses have all been worse than every single one of Bill Young's defenses. And just look at the talent level that's seemingly different now versus back then. They just they look a lot different on defense, yet the results are worse. That, I think it's time to – and I, the point I made was, you know, the, and I've made it on this podcast too, is Gundy plucks offensive plays all the time and philosophies from other offenses, which coaches do that all the time. Why can't – why can't they just copy what TCU does? They don't, I'm not even saying I'm not even saying you have to go hire the guy who went to OSU that's down there as a defensive coordinator, but just like steal their plays. Like they obviously know what they're doing in the Big Twelve. Yeah. I don't know. Just it's confusing to me, and I, I don't understand why they're so bad on defense. Okay, your last one, uh, number five. Oklahoma State was closer to seven and five than they were to eleven and one. Yeah, and I got a little bit of heat for that. I don't understand how people could argue that. I mean, they had to hold on for dear life against teams they should throttle, Texas Tech, Iowa State, and Texas. Uh, by a combined 17 points, they beat those three teams. And it's just, I mean, 
you and I were on the sideline of that Texas game. Isn't it a miracle they won that game? Isn't it a 50-50 yes. call from the referee at Iowa State from going to overtime? And surely they were going to lose it. They couldn't tackle Montgomery. I'd, I would bet they would have lost in overtime that game. Uh, and then Tech, I mean, Tech's driving to, to win the game. And OSU gets an interception. Or, or even go further than that. Rudolph just throws it up for grabs on third down to Aitman. Like yep. they were so close. They were so lucky to win those three games. And I get it. You know, you make your own luck. You know, they were they should have they should have never been in games with those three teams. But the fact is, they were. And to me, coming into this year, we expected them to be a playoff contender. And really, this season was closer to being an unmitigated disaster than it was an uber playoff success. Can you imagine if they would have gone six and six? Oh, you think Gundy would have been talking to Tennessee then? <laughs> And, and again, the, the quote that sticks out to me with Gundy is just, it's my final quote I had from him, is we're gunslingers, we're not scared, we're going to throw it deep, we're going to play fast. Like, to me, they played the opposite of that way all season, right? They didn't throw it deep. They didn't play, not they played scared. Gundy had this team playing scared for the most part. I mean, the Texas game was just an atrocity of just, let's just punt it, let's just get it, get it. please don't fumble it, just punt it. You know, like, that to me is playing scared. And I, to me, that was all talk. There was no action with that. And again, my five takeaways seem to be negative, but I mean, I'm sorry, you win nine games with this team, it's going to be mostly negative takeaways. It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. So I, to me, that's, do you think that's unfair that they were closer to seven and five than 11 and one? Do I think it's unfair that they were closer to seven and five than 11 and one? Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, it's, it's hard because like the, the only game out of this, I think there's six in question that was a, well, I, I guess you're counting TCU as like a total blowout, right? Like you're not even including that. Oh, they got, they got dominated. Okay. So you're saying, OU, you're the, the, the four game or five games you're looking at OU, Kansas state, Texas, and Iowa State, those are the four. Is Texas that right? Tech. Okay, so so they could have been six and six because they went nine and three. So there could have been yeah. three losses in there. Uh, I I think I think they're closer to eleven and one. Really? Yeah. I mean, they, do I need they to had... pull? Up, do I need to pull up that GIF of you in Austin? The sheer shock yeah. in your face yeah. that they had won that game. Well, you're you're right because technically, like Iowa State and and Iowa State would have tied it late. Iowa so State they, was up by like nine with like eight minutes to go. Yeah, they always do that against Iowa State, though. Okay. Uh, Texas should have Texas should have won. Iowa State could have won. Uh, Oklahoma State uh, was driving to beat both OU and Kansas State. They had about. 60 yards to go against OU and about 50 against Kansas state. So yeah, I mean, I guess technically they were closer to seven and five than 11 and one. It's just, it's, it's insane to me. The, 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 the takeaway, the biggest point out of all this, it's insane to me how small the difference is between 11 and one and seven and five. It's not like 11 and one and 10 and two or, Seven and five or six and six. It's eleven and one or seven and five. It was like four drives, and you and and we remember all of them. Well, and, and that any, to me is and anything could have happened. 
And that to me is the larger point, right? This team is better than that. They shouldn't have been in those games with those teams. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, at least they were ahead for the most part in Texas and Texas Tech. Uh, but again, I just, I don't know. The, the gunsling- we're gunslingers mantra to me just, it felt the entire season played out like they weren't abiding by that, that they were playing scared for the most part. Yeah, that that was my fifth takeaway. Uh, was was sort of similar. Was they didn't they didn't have that, that 2011 team, and and we I think we misremember a lot of stuff that happened with that 2011 team. They weren't as efficient on offense as as we think they were. Brandon Whedon wasn't as great as we thought he was. He threw a lot of interceptions. There's a lot of stuff that we don't remember correctly. But the one thing that we do remember correctly is they thought they were going to go out and beat everybody by 50. And, and they played like it. They hammered teams. They hammered Missouri. They hammered Texas Tech. They they killed OU. Like, they, they just went out and played like they were going to destroy you. And a lot of times they did. And I never, after the Pittsburgh game, I never felt like that with this team. It, it, they, no. they they never went out. They never took the field and and were just like, you know, had like an FU game. Like, we are killing this team tonight. They never did that. I mean, they did no. it against Kansas, but whatever. Like that—that that doesn't count. Season season was over, and they're playing Kansas. Yeah, you know, and I just just give me that one time, and 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 they didn't do it. No, you're right. So I think we agree on on that final point. Um, so your your computer didn't totally melt. No, no, your 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 takeaways were good. You need to you need to get back in the writing game. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's great. Um, Okay, Carson, what are you doing this weekend, this Christmas weekend? I'll be at work and then uh, heading to the grandparents' house on Christmas Eve. So I'm ready for I'm ready for the holidays, my favorite yeah. time of the year. Then I'm yeah. heading out to uh, Orlando for the Camping World Bowl. And then I'm, I'm flying direct from Orlando to L.A. for the Rose Bowl. That's going to be a wild journey. Wow. It's like a six-hour flight. Do you think the uh, Camping World Bowl media swag will be better or worse than the Rose Bowl media swag? Well, they'll probably just give me like a citrus bowl bag and be like, here you go. This is the real bowl. I don't even know why you're here. That's basically how they treat the Camping World Bowl over there. It's a citrus bowl. Uh, sister, the sister bowl of the citrus. I'll be covering, in between those two, I'll be covering the uh, the Cotton Bowl, SC and Ohio State, which should be Ooh, fun. That's yeah. a great one. Yeah, it is. I'm excited. Basically, Ro- Rose Bowl South, basically. Yeah, I know. It's like the, the, yeah, the replacement Rose Bowl. Um so yeah, that that should be awesome. Should be a, a fun next basically two weeks of football, and then it'll be uh, it'll be college basketball season. So uh, we haven't even talked about Oklahoma State beating Florida State over the weekend. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Boynton's got him playing hard. Yeah, I like Boynton. I'm in on Boynton for now. Likable dude. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally is. Um, okay, Carson, enjoy your Christmas. Everybody else, enjoy the holidays. Uh, we will be back. Uh, I don't know when we'll be back. Depends on travel schedules. We'll try to link up uh, before the new year, but if not, then uh, enjoy the rest of the year. Sounds good. Okay, dude. Talk to you later.